Welcome to episode four of Bracket Busters. Um, we are joined again by my co-host Ben Keck, and we are joined by a third member today, um, our future contributor to Don't You Know Sports, Michael Hiddings. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me, and really excited to share my thoughts and provide some content uh, to Don't You Know Sports in the future. Let's do it. So I have, this is probably one of the most incredible things that I have ever witnessed in the sports world to lead off this podcast. Oh, I'm excited. So, <laughs> so as, a, as a middle school math teacher every year, I mentioned this on previous podcasts, I, I try and bring stats and math into the bracket, into the, my classroom. And so some of the kids really get into it and like say they're going to be the first one to get a perfect bracket and all this stuff. We go into the odds and the probability of, you know, what are the actual chances that you get a perfect bracket. So I had a certain student this year who who could not have been less interested. Like they were like, why do we have to do this? And they don't really love math either. And they're just like, I, I, I don't what do I have to do? Like I had to go over there and kind of help them figure out what they had to do and like help them click a couple of the teams. And they're like, found it completely pointless, completely pointless. So I was looking back at it today or uh, this was yesterday. I was looking back at it and. So zero basketball knowledge whatsoever. Oh boy. This is the, this is their final four. Duke, North Carolina, Houston, and Miami. Wow. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Oops, so would look, you look at that? <laughs> I was looking at it yesterday. I'm like, if that doesn't describe like March Madness bracket pools, I don't know what does. That's so accurate. It's always like, that one person who doesn't know much, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, they're almost perfect. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to pick, you know, you always make the jokes about, oh, I'm going to pick the favorite mascot or which team's got better colors or whatever, blah, 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 this and that. Like, that's that's this example, and their bracket is much better than 90% of America's. <laughs> Whoever watches college basketball, then you just sit there and you're like, why, why do I even, like, Try and provide insight and analyze when it truly, truly does not matter sometimes. <laughs> Just proof I've been doing it wrong for years. I'll sit there and look over matchups for minutes on end saying, oh, it's going to be, you know, if uh, you think about who's got the better shooting or who's the better, you know, free throws, defense, whatnot, defense right? Yeah. No, I should really just go which mascot would beat the other mascot Correct. and probably do better than I usually Correct. would. Do. So Correct. I, I think that's the I think that's gotta be a consensus drawbreaker from like tie or not drawbreaker, sure. sorry. Tiebreaker from now on for me is just being like, you know, uh mascot colors, which one do I like more? Let's just pick right. it. Let's just go. Right. And right. I think you go maybe, back and forth. Because we talk about some I think sometimes in those like eight nine matchups, I probably do that in my head. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I like their colors better. I like I like I like the logo. And I don't know much about them. I haven't done a lot of research yet. And you sometimes you just get a little excited and you're like, oh, yeah, for sure them. Like, you don't right, even think about it. Because bracket comes out Sunday night and we filled out a gut check. We both fill out a gut check bracket. Like, yeah. when it first comes out, you fill out your bracket. And then by Thursday, your bracket is normally completely different. Right? Like, Absolutely. you overanalyze. You, you read about certain, like, double-digit seeds. Like, oh, this team's got a guy that averages 20 points a game and could be an upset trendy upset pick or you talk yourself out of like a one seed you're like maybe they'll lose early and this and that blah blah blah. you go through all this stuff and then thursday happens and you're like okay well that was all pointless my bracket's dead already it happens every year every year yeah and then you have 
you have random uh, middle schoolers that don't care about basketball at all, and they have four, all four Final Four teams left in the Elite Eight with one of the weirdest Elite Eights we've ever had. It's wild. It's just crazy how it works. I mean, that's just, I mean, that again just shows the unlikelihood of people picking a perfect bracket. Right. Like, there's no scientific fact to it. It's not, it, it, truly, I truly, truly think, I don't think it will ever happen. People, I, I, there are many people out there that I've heard, like, it's going to happen eventually. I don't think that we'll ever see it. There's proofs that the the odds say that you're more likely to win the Mega Millions like twice in a week than you are to get a perfect yeah. bracket. It's not going to happen. Well, maybe I need to buy some lottery tickets while I'm at it now. <laughs> there you, there you go. Right. So I just, I I, it just doesn't seem you you can get so much right, and it just takes one, you know, one upset, one little thing, and and then you. You know, you can get as close as you want, but going 63 for 63 with especially the first two rounds is is chaotic. Yep. The final four this year ends up being semi-normal. A little, I mean, North Carolina is a, a higher seed, but for final four, I'm sure some people have the perfect final four. But the chaos of the first, the beginning is just impossible to get everything right. The stat is uh, 0.1% had the final four right. P- 0.1. Wow. <laughs> well, I would think it would have been a little higher. I mean, I guess if people didn't pick North Carolina. Yeah, you got that was... two, two, and one. Yeah, you still have chalk for three out of the four regions. Yeah. That's where this comes down to is it's picking the right upsets to happen early on. But more often than not, you know, might you might have one region or it's a rarity you get two regions where someone unexpected breaks through. But the majority of the time, it's always one of these top seeds that still gets to the final four. Right. It's which one is it? Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I you know, so maybe next year. I mean, when we're when we really gain some traction on the podcast, we will probably have the perfect bracket next year. It's 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 facts. It's I would say facts. I would say it's yeah. a better than a fifty percent chance that we have a perfect bracket next year. I would say yeah. odds would favor one of you two. Yeah. Yeah. Over. Yeah. Well, if we do it world. next year, we could do one where we all three of us are on conjoined. And we do a conjoined one. So Ben and I did one this year. We kind of agreed on everything, but we would officially have a a consensus tiebreaker if we did a two. Yeah, um, there'd be two versus three. Yeah, two versus three, and we just fill out a bracket, and it would it will most likely be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Three heads are better than two. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Makes sense. If Michael if that. Michael would have been on with us, we wouldn't have picked Auburn to win at all. Oh, he would have talked us out of that right away. Exactly. He no like, I like. He would have been like, I like that Miami team. Yeah, he would have, like, I love Miami. Some Their guard plays check. solid. Yeah. And then he would have said, let's pick Duke over Kansas in the final, and we'd be looking great. And he would love St. Peter's. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Definitely didn't have Kentucky to my final four. Yeah. Should have picked St. Pete's the whole way. Exactly. Yeah. Go Peacocks. Go Peacocks. <laughs> All right. Peacocks. So we will, uh, moving on, we will, we're going to recap each region again, and then we'll look at an electric final four that we have for next weekend and we'll have one more show next weekend uh, a little summary of the season and maybe a little preview of uh, next year future stuff that we got going on maybe some stuff we want to change right right got it hey always improving always improving right yes so starting in the west ben we were correct we were right yes we were right the zags 
were not the team of last year. And they didn't look weren't. like it. They weren't. They never were. And I mean, we tried talking America out of them, and like twenty-five to thirty percent of America had Gonzaga winning it all. Because they all obviously mm-hmm. listened to us, and they just ignored us. They ignored us, and they <laughs> should not have haters of the pod because they are not last year's team. So I have I have some strong feelings about Gonzaga that I can now really share out there that I that I sent to multiple uh, group chats this week. <laughs> um, I I like Gonzaga's program. I've liked them since the early two thousands. Like there are people that have told me I'm an idiot before for picking them far, and they've been proven right. And I like to pick Gonzaga. I picked them to win it all when they lost to North Carolina, and I picked them far last year. So, like, I, I've been burned with Gonzaga in the tournament before. But here are the facts about Gonzaga. I also have they, a fact after you're done as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> they play a hard non-conference schedule. Yes, they do. Which is great. And they, they played they played Texas Tech. They played Alabama. They played Duke. Um, they played Texas. They played – I mean, they play multiple difficult – UCLA. UCLA, yeah. They play UCLA multiple, again difficult out-of-conference teams, which is great. And they lost two of them this year. And then they get into their conference, and they roll their conference every year. And everyone falls in love with them, not just because of their record, but because the metrics get so skewed in their favor, where, like, their offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency are, like, out of this world. And it's like, yeah, because you're playing Pepperdine twice, and you're playing (laughs) – all these teams in the WCC that, no offense to them, they got a few teams of the tournament this year, it's not a Power 6 conference. So then by the time the tournament rolls around, everyone's like, Gonzaga's rolling on all cylinders, they won the WCC for the 64th year in a row, and blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is happening. And it's like, if they played in the Pac-12, let's say they moved the move. Pac- made the move to a big conference, they would not be a bad team. That is 100%. not a take. They're a really good program. Mark Few's a great coach. They're a fantastic team. However, they would not be a one seed year after year after year. They would have occasional years where they would be a one seed. Like last year, I think they still would have dominated and been a mm-hmm. one seed. Yeah. And then you would have other years where they'd still be really good, where they maybe be three, four seed. And then there'd be certain down years where they may be a middle, like seven to ten seed, because they would they would get beat up by some better competition. It was shown this year. They lost to Alabama, and they lost to Duke. Like, they lost to two Power 5 teams in their non-conference. If they play those teams more often, they wouldn't be going 30-2 and two every year. It just wouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah. So, and that was why I was cautious about them this year, because I, you could see it. They weren't the same. They didn't have the same guard play. No. Nemard was, what, he was like 2-for-7 in the game or whatever? And he's he a good terrible. player. He was this terrible in that game. Them. They're good. He's a good yeah. player. But their, their strength was their front court. Oh, I mean, yeah, you, you got two of the best frontcourt players in the country with Timmy and Holmgren. But, I mean, it really kind of showed just, I mean, just how they are on the same team. Like, to put it in perspective, J.D. Note shot 28 times in that game and was, like, 8 for 28. Yeah. Like, he did yeah. not shoot the ball well, and they he they still won. Like, yeah. It, like, you, th- you think when you hear a guy shot 8 for 28, you're expecting maybe they lost yeah. that game because he took too many shots right. and... Arkansas was still able to win that game. That's just kind of how we feel about that. Was Michael, were you one of the ones suckered into Gonzaga to win it all? I Not to win it all, but I, for some reason, it hit the bracket, and I talked myself into 
uh, I, I was too much of a believer in uh, Timmy and Holmgren, and I felt those two were good enough to carry them. I had them in the title game. Yeah, not gonna lie, I had them okay. in the title game. Thought they'd be enough to carry them, and um, you know, just typical Gonzaga. Your points are rock solid. It's just that they beat up on subpar competition. Numbers say they're better than they are. Not that they're bad. They're, I mean, you still would look at Gonzaga coming into this tournament and say top ten team for sure. Yes. But yes, number one overall. Okay, it's bared out. Not right. They're not. Right. They're they're comparable at now. I would say now from the last couple of years, they're like they're kind of like a Houston. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, a little. They're bet. They're better than a Houston. They dominate more in their conference than Houston does. But like the metrics of it, they fall yes. in love with those teams, and everyone and in Houston was only a five seed this year because they lost you know five regular season games or so, something like yeah. that. But that, that's that's the comparison to me. It's like okay, they don't play the top competition throughout the year like the Big Ten and the SEC and the Big East and all these you know big conference ACC the battle tested, right? And it just happens. I mean, and I hope Gonzaga wins it all. They they had two really good chance. They made the national championship twice. It is very difficult to win a national championship in college basketball. It is. It's extremely hard. The Big Ten has had how many great teams in the last twenty years, and they haven't won since Michigan State. It's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. So now now we get to revisit that conversation because there's no Gonzaga or Big Ten teams. We can ask Michael because he wasn't on the podcast last week. Who wins a title first, Gonzaga or a Big Ten team? <laughs> I mean. If I got to put money down, I'm probably picking the Zags. I, I just. That's what Ben said. I, <laughs> it seems like the Big Ten, the last 20 years since State Michigan State won it in, in 2000, notorious for having one good enough team make a run to the title game only to disappointingly lose. Yep. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they've had. I, I think you can. It's I more, mean, more than. I, Schools more than one hand. State's been there. Michigan State's been there one more time. Wisconsin's been there. Michigan's been there. Illinois's been there. Yeah. Ohio State's been there, and they lose. They yeah. get there and they lose. I mean, let's be honest. Michigan, Michigan kind of has one in 2013. That that block was clean on Peyton Siva. It 100 percent was. So <laughs> we really want to get into it. We'll get All into ball. Michigan in a minute. We'll get into Michigan in a minute. But that was that was one of the like my least favorite ref calls in NCAA ever. Like, history ever. ever. In sports history, actually. So, all right. We can move one, on to Gonzaga. One stat I have for okay. you on Gonzaga that I saw. Gonzaga has only beaten one three-seater higher in the past 21 seasons in the NCAA tournament. Wow. And that was Utah in 2016. Wow. Well, that's a good stat. That means they have gotten some lucky runs to their final that's fours because they played UCLA last year. 11. And they were yep. 11 seed. Like, who did they play in the Elite Eight last year? That's what I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of that because I was trying to think if the stat was fluky or not, and someone just said that to mess with me. But I, I think it's legit. It kind of started thinking through it, and I'm like, I don't know if they've actually they ever played USC. Played they played USC. It was Pac-12, and there wasn't right. USC. They were, a six. Uh... they were a six. Yeah. Because USC beat Oregon. Iowa was the two. Yeah, that's right. Oregon beat Iowa. USC beat. Beat Oregon in a Pac-12 Sweet 16, that's and then they right. beat USC. Yeah. yeah. So wow, they, that's wild. The, 
In the past 21 years, they have only beaten one three-seater higher. Clip this, clip this in the podcast and share this. They'll make us look really smart. <laughs> oh, yeah. After that stat, he throws that stat after yeah. I said, yeah, Zags are more likely to win a title than a Big Ten team. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. That's All a wild right. stat. <laughs> so now let's move to the other game in that region, which, I, I mean, looking at all the other games that we had, that this was the game of the weekend, in my opinion. Duke, Duke Texas Tech was tremendous. It was. It was great. Great basketball. Like, Texas Tech, known for their defense, and Duke's star power, they, their question coming into the tournament was, could they play good enough defense to win? They, their talent has never been a problem. They probably mm-hmm. are the most talented roster in the field. They just weren't playing cohesively as a team. And that game was awesome. Back and forth, just slugfest between those two teams. And Duke ends up pulling it out. And Coach K, his magical Final Four run in his last year, it's like the, it's like the media's dream come true. It is. It is the media's dream. And... It's most of the nation's worst nightmare. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say it's. I will say something that's been very impressive about Duke in um, their game against Michigan State and their game against Texas Tech. Um, I mean, the the way they were able to like they were down later in those in the game or around tied, and there was like moments where all of a sudden they just like. Which is, this is what I, and we'll get to Purdue later, but this is what I've always wanted Jaden Ivey to do. Perdon, Perdon. Perdon, yes, yeah, so we'll get Perdon. to them later. But I always wanted him to just to like, he has the athletic ability just to care and step up and like lock down on yeah. defense. And yep. that's what Duke has done towards the end of the game. Like, right. they, they didn't do it during the regular season a lot and they were a little lazy. And in every, these and against Michigan State and Texas Tech, when they were down at, towards the end, they just yeah. locked up and they were like, we have the talent, let's do it. And they just, put on a show defensively right and it was like wow yeah because they were down five to michigan state at, at yeah. towards the end and it really felt like it was going michigan state's way and then like you said they, they locked up and then hit big buckets jeremy roach has been a stud he's, he's the, the reason yeah he's, he's one of their lower prospects like his his current draft stock is maybe a second rounder potentially you know getting drafted next year yeah, and he's he's the one that's that's really created and been a been a stalwart on the offensive side of the ball for them. And we had mentioned that I think maybe in the conference championship preview we had said Duke needs their guards to play big, and Jeremy Roach has played out of his mind and yeah. been able to like be that lead guard for them. Yeah, they desperately needed all season. Yeah, that 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 was that that game was. I mean, I'm a Duke fan, so obviously it's fun to watch for me. But that game was awesome. It was awesome. That was like another like high stakes, like two teams that you know are like whoever wins this game could win it all kind of thing. Like that. That was that was what it felt like. Sweet 16. Like yeah, you still got to win three more games, but that was like a huge elimination game of whoever wins this game's got a really good shot to win it all. Mm. You don't 100%. always have to feel in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Um. I let's move. I, I've I have a proposal. Let's let's do the sweet all the Sweet 16 together. Okay. Sounds good. I like that. Because, uh, spoiler alert: the Elite Eight games were really boring. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, was, I thought about that too. I was like, we we'll can jump that. through those really quick. Well, <laughs> holy smokes. Yeah. All right. Um, so we'll go to the uh, south and Houston and Arizona. Oh. Beth, we were wrong about Houston. I'm just, I. I literally, I'm going to just read the note I put in my thing after the game. I said, Houston equals Ben is a clown. I'm never <laughs> betting against Ken Palm or Houston ever again. I'm a clown. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I just, that... it's two years in a row now. I've just like, I've completely dismissed them every chance them. I get. Yep. And I'm yep. just like, they're overrated. They're not worth it. And they keep proving me wrong. So I'll, I'm going to just eat it, take it, like, I messed up. And then the thing is, after we had recorded last week, I kind of, like, looked into Houston a little deeper, and all of a sudden I just looked, and I realized they were, TCU and Houston play very similar styles of basketball, and TCU had Arizona on the ropes, and Houston just does everything TCU does on a higher level, and I'm like, oh, no, they're going to beat Arizona. All of a sudden it clicked in my mind. Yeah. Just a little too late. <laughs> I, I didn't. I mean, I admitted this when we got the championship. Like, I didn't get to watch Arizona. I don't watch the Pac-12 a ton because they mm-hmm. play, they play super late on the east Eastern time zone. So I don't watch them a ton. But the the few times I did watch them, they're so long, so athletic, and so good. It blows my mind that they only scored sixty points. I know against Houston. Someone needed to tell. Um, Kirk Carissa to stop shooting the ball. He's, I mean, the, oh, he was, he's been off. I mean, he came, he played, he's played the tournament hurt, but he was yeah. not looking good, yeah. like, to stop shooting. How far did you have Houston? Oh, uh, Houston? Yeah. Uh, I think I had Houston to that point, okay. but I had Arizona as my national champ okay. because Same. I, I, you know, uh, I'm as a Michigan fan, saw him play Michigan earlier in the year. November, right? As, yeah. As with you, I, it's not that I had a lot to go off of with Arizona or a lot of the Pac-12, but the one thing I remembered was I felt they could beat you in multiple ways, played sound defense, had some solid bigs, and I'm like, you know, in March, I think that can carry you, and um, it, they hit Houston, and Ken Palm was right. I mean, that they was... Don't box that was, out. They, right. Offensive yep. rebounding teams, TCU and Houston are number like seven and number nine in the nation of offensive rebounding. And they just ate them alive on the offensive blows glass. My mind. It blows my mind that a team that big can give up that many offensive rebounds. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. Fundamental basketball, even at the division one highest level of college basketball, you get taught it in fifth grade and it still comes back to bite guys when they're, you know, grown men. Yeah. Put not, your butt on someone. Not, not someone. boxing out and not making free throws are like two of the just like oh, most right? fundamental things you've been practicing for 10 plus years. And it still comes back yeah, to bite teams. You don't do it. You usually lose. It's crazy. Yep. So, yeah, Houston. I mean, I, I will say this. I, I If they were paired up against a different 12 seed, I probably wouldn't have picked them. I just fell in love with Jelly Walker. It was really it's really hard not to. So I had to pick you. Yeah, I had same. To pick UAB just out of the fun of it, and then they handled Illinois easily, and then they really handled Arizona. It really wasn't mm. that close. Kind of, I think it was a, I think it was a statement for Houston, hearing how they were gonna 
get bounced in the first round. They, a lot of people picked UAB, I think, to upset them, and they kind of were like, I right. think we're going to show some people we're the real deal. Like, right. I agree. I mean, yeah, BPI and all that stuff comes out, and it's like Houston's Houston's the third favorite for the national title, according to BPI or whatever it was. And I'm like, what are you Okay. <laughs> and then they go and beat Arizona. I'm like, okay, they're about to make another Final Four. <laughs> I know. It felt like that. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let Michael lead off with this one. Michigan and Villanova, because I have many thoughts about this. Or maybe we should let Ben lead off, because he's okay. not. Yeah, you guys are Michigan fans. Michael, Michael has... Michael has graciously joined us tonight for his uh, his podcast debut. He shares most of the same sports interests that I do. So, homegrown Michigan guy that we're very invested in Michigan basketball. So, Ben, I'm going to let you lead off. What were your thoughts on this game? I mean, I thought I didn't catch all of this game. wasn't able to catch all of okay. it. But I would – I mean – uh, I don't know the best way to describe it was, but Villanova kind of always just had deleted from what it looked like it, yep. always throughout the game and held it. And Samuels, I mean, he's been the difference maker the entire time throughout this tournament for them. He's yep. kind of stepped up when they needed to, and he kind of carried them again yep. through the game. And was, I felt like Michigan... He was one of the only ones that played well for Villanova. Yeah. And it felt like Michigan kind of just... It was just... Uh, they ran out of... The magic, the magic they had a little bit towards the true. end there, just felt like it was, right. it was just like it's running out, it's time. Um, That's true. All right, my, that was my brief thoughts. I'll let you guys take off. <laughs> all right, just prepare. If you if you don't want to listen to this part, skip ahead about fifteen minutes. <laughs> you want to buckle up if you are going to listen. Oh, wait, get the uh, seatbelt ready. Here we okay, go. Good. <laughs> Clicked in. Um, I still have nightmares about Hunter Dickinson missing layups. <laughs> And slam dunks, and the entire Michigan roster missing free throws. How did they lose that game? Sorry. If they make 40% of their layups and shoot 60% from the line, they not only win, they win by like 10. Instead, they lost by 8. And they really, I mean, they had a lead for maybe a small portion of the game, but otherwise Villanova somehow controlled a game in which Villanova really didn't play that well. Samuels played great, but they contained Gillespie. I mean, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, Villanova's playing maybe C-plus basketball. Michigan's playing F-level basketball. It was just, well, on the offensive end. I thought Michigan played very well defensively. Their game plan, their strategy, they executed it well. That was rock solid, but... It's not that Michigan didn't get looks. When you have a guy who's seven foot two and is getting point blank looks from the at the basket from two feet away, you expect him to make seventy percent of those, not like ninety, maybe 10, maybe ninety, <laughs> not like ten. Per, it felt like ten percent. It, it felt. It, like it, 10%. Does. it does. When you got a, someone who's missing layups like that, it really just drains you. It's like it feels like they miss everything once they miss two. It's just. It goes crazy. Ugh. Oh, yeah. And it, it felt like it snowballed. It, it, almost mentally for for Dickinson in particular, after he missed a couple of bunnies early in the second half, it was just like it It, it seemed to me at least. It, it played into his psyche and, and down the stretch there, he just – it was a rough go. With the amount of looks he had, he should have probably dropped close to 30. And if he does, Michigan's 
playing Houston for a chance at the Final Four. But he didn't, and I'm in pain as a Michigan fan because of it. I'm sorry I'm like, for your loss. I'm, like, reliving all these emotions. I'm hearing Michael talk, and I'm, like, getting my blood is boiling. And, like, and this, so I want to preface it with this. Credit to Villanova 100% because they did the exact same thing in the next round against Houston where they mm-hmm. didn't play their best. That's that's the key to March is winning when you don't play your best. Because you're going to have at least one of those games. Correct. You're not going to play your best six games in a row and win a title. Right. You have to be able to win when not playing at your best. And Nova did that twice in a row. Yes. Okay. Yes. So credit to Nova. But this game was a 1,000% a indictment on this season for Michigan. They played so well against Colorado State in the second half and then – put together a complete 40 minutes against Tennessee, who was probably a top five team in the country at that point. They were one of the best teams, hottest teams going in, and Michigan just played better than them. They they played the the best game of the year, probably. Maybe that Purdue game that they won by 20. That's the only one that compares from my end where Michigan put together a complete performance. Because Tennessee, if they play 10 times, Tennessee beats them eight or nine times. I think so. I think so. I, I, and so then going into this one, I was like, oh, it's 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 uh, icing on the cake. You know, whatever happens, Sweet 16 exceeded my expectations and all this stuff. And I say that, and, and then they go in, and then they just literally, it seemed like they laid an egg against Villanova. And it, I think the blame goes everywhere on, on, on all of them. <laughs> I think the game plan was bad to start with. Like, yes, Dickinson missed some shots. They also didn't go into the post nearly enough in the first half. They didn't give Dickinson and Diabate the touches that they needed. And that goes to Villanova's defense, probably, to denying the post and all this stuff. But, like, I don't know how you don't throw the ball to Dickinson 20-plus times that game when their biggest guy is 6'9". Six, yeah, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I mean, like, that, that, he, should, that have should have been the game plan. And Michigan doesn't shoot the ball well. That's their that's their weakness. Michigan and, is what they, what they are because they are very inconsistent shooting the ball. So I think Juwan Howard... 100% get some of the blame for that, for, for the offensive game plan. Defensive game plan was great. Um, and then, I mean, Brandon Johns played 13, however many minutes he played. It was, it was too, that many minutes was too many minutes. Too many, yep. <laughs> Terrence Williams is more of an offensive threat. He's more active on defense. When he played in the Tennessee game, it changed the game. I don't know how the coaches don't see that and, make that adjustment for the next game because that's the second half when they started to pull away multiple plays where Brandon Johns was in there got beat. And I was like, how in the world after watching a whole year's film, do not make adjustments and see that. And you know, it all comes down to this. And I said it probably a million times before the game, you Villanova is never going to beat themselves. We've said that about them going into this mm-hmm. turn and, and and every game that they played, they will not beat themselves. They are not going to turn the ball over, and they're not going to miss free throws. They're not going to get in foul trouble. Like They just do the basics really well. Very they're well. like a John Beeline coach team, yep. just like that's Jay Wright. Jay Wright's style of basketball is fantastic. And so that's what Michigan did. They played right into that. They turned the ball over. They were like one for seven from the free throw line to start. That's Ben's biggest no-no, right? It, it, oh, hey, if you, are, if you it, are under 75% in a game, it, it just 
just get off the court. And they were terrible. I think they were under 50%. Oh, I the think they throw. were under 50. It yeah. was just, they beat, they 100% beat themselves. And they, and like I said, and it goes back to the beginning, what I, beginning thing I said is credit goes to Villanova for that. It makes me infuriated as a Michigan fan for them, like how they played. But Nova gets the credit for forcing them into tough decisions and, you know, throwing them off their offensive game plan. Credit does not go to Villanova for Michigan missing free throws because that's mm-hmm. they're called free throws for a reason. And I want a million shirts that just say, I need to just decorate my house that says, make your free throws. That's that's like my favorite phrase in life. If you make uh, your free throws, you'll be successful. Literally. You pay, <sighs> I mean, like, you're going to make money if you make free throws. It's just facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's my that's my uh, my more than two cents on the game. I mean, they missed. It wasn't just Dickinson. They they missed multiple guys missed layups, like somewhat contested, but yep. but multiple layups got missed. And it was like they were down three at halftime or something yeah. like that. And it yeah. felt like they were down double digits. And I was like, holy smokes! If we just play a good second half, then it will it will go. Like we can, we can win this game, and it just never, they never made a run. They never made a run. But it is what it is. That's March. That's March. You're not going to win a Natty every year because if you don't play well six games in a row, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you for bearing with my, me and Michael's um, event session for the last ten or so minutes. Sorry for your loss. Off our chest. So it's a definitely a frustrating way to lose when you when the other team is like absolutely struggling and playing one of their worst games of the year, and you have to watch it like just yep. unfold and be like, "How aren't we winning?" If just, I was a Villanova fan watching yeah. that game, I would have been like, "Why aren't we winning by 15? Like, yeah, it would have been a frustrating. Like, if I was a Villanova fan, I would have been sitting there like. It's only a matter of time before Michigan starts like making actually shots, doing yeah. this or whatever. Because no, they didn't play with Colin Gillespie was just held to single digits. Like that's the guy that makes them go, and it it just never happened. Michigan, it never happened. That's two years in a row where they scored less than sixty points in an elimination game against against teams that they could have beaten. Last year they lost to UCLA, and UCLA ends up. You know, almost making the title game. But in UCLA played poorly against Michigan right. too. Right. It's not like UCLA right. had their worst game of the tournament as far as offensive efficiency by far against Michigan, and Michigan didn't make them pay. So. Right. Right. It's just, hey, it's rough as a fan. And it's March. It's March. Yep. It, it is. March rocks. March March rocks, but it also sucks when your teams lose, which happens every year unless you're the last team standing, or if they don't make it, like Minnesota. Sorry, Ben. Uh, next year. We're looking brighter. Next year. They, positive. Positive note. Minnesota Minute here. They've reached out. Prince, Princeton has, like, their entire team transferring, and the, Minnesota has reached out to pretty much every single one on the Princeton team. So yeah. There you so go. Be Lots of shooters. But yeah, oh, yeah. trip ball next year. Love it. All right. Um, moving on to the Midwest. Ben, how right were we about Providence being frauds? But I'm gonna actually give them credit again. <laughs> they, they hung with Kansas. Like I didn't expect them to hang. They hung. Like, I was 100% wrong about Providence. They they made the Sweet 16. Like many people did not predict them to. 
They were one of the trendiest upsets in the first round, and then most people oh, I, I had, had South Iowa, Dakota. and South most people Dakota. had Iowa in the yeah. second round. And then they were up on Kansas late in the second half. They were hanging. I mean, they were playing really well. They were doing. They were playing their style of basketball, and Kansas wasn't getting what they wanted for a good chunk of the game. So. I agree. Right. Right. Um. That yeah, that game was. That was a slug. That was the definition of a slugfest. Mm-hmm. I just wanted. I wanted. I wanted Durham to pull up from deep towards the end there and just drain a three to make it a closer game again. Yeah, he did that. He did that in the Big East, like when they when they they had a ton of close games in the Big East, and he always seemed to be the guy. Yep. That would that would make clutch huge buckets for them, and Kansas's talent kind of finally overwhelmed and came out. In that one, because that was yep. not Kansas's best game. No, it was not, and that's credit due to Providence because they again made them play their style of basketball right. Right. that entire game and kind of put them in that situation. Yeah. So, I I think I discounted uh, the addition of Remy Martin for Kansas going into the tournament. Well, he was he not missed, playing great in the regular season. He missed he a lot play. of the season. He was he in. Did. Yeah, and when he and did, he was averaging came like back eight. And they were, they were bringing him back into the rotation a little bit, and then like they've really v- revamped him up and, and got him ready for the tournament. And his impact has been massive for Kansas because Abaji hasn't played his best no. either. He's struggled a few times. And he was averaging he's... going into the game today. He was averaging ten points a game in yeah. the tournament, which is like he's a he averaged he's 15 twenty in the regular plus. season. Right, right. And so Remy Martin really made that offense go. So I, I should have, and, and that's guard play. We talk, we've talked about that a few times. Like guard play in March really matters. And mm-hmm. they have, they have some of the best guards. Um, uh, is it Zach Brown? Is that his name? I want to say yes, but Dude. I don't want to say that. Right. It's, his last name is Braun, Brown, Braun, however you pronounce it. He's, he's, a, he's just a solid player. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Um, and then obviously Obagi's fantastic. Um, and then Remy Martin's been a really good addition to that um, uh, to that offense. Mm. Oh. And then we had uh, that, another one in that region. We had Miami and Iowa State. Iowa State's defense could not contain Miami. They finally fell apart. Yeah, which it just felt like that was just a matter of time, given how that Wisconsin game played out, that there's no way they could contain a more they, they, efficient team. Iowa State won two games scoring less than 60 points. Eventually in March, if you don't score more than 60 points, you're you going to lose. Yeah, you will get knocked out. It's, I mean, that's it. So, credit to their coach. He's super jacked. He's got massive biceps. He wears yep. a shirt that's too tight. Credit to Gabe Kelsher, Minnesota. And Yep, oh, yeah. Gabe Kelsher, yep. Minnesota shout-out. We've gotten... We've gotten a lot of Minnesota shoutouts in this NCAA tournament for Minnesota not being in the tournament. Oh, don't mar- don't worry, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> I could have gave a Chet shoutout. Chet's from Minnesota. Hey, shout true, out Chet. True. Jalen Suggs. <laughs> from Minnesota. Yep. yep. They went to the same high school. That's a yep. wild team to think yeah. about in high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then we just said it, but I'll say it again: Miami's guard play. Yes. Absolutely. That's why they beat Auburn. 
they dominated. Their guard play, that game was chaos. We talked about it last week. That Auburn-Miami game was complete chaos, and Miami dominated fast breaks and just won every loose ball and won transition offense and defense and just dominated. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah Wong and uh, what's his name? Meg. Oh, I know you're talking about number number three. I want to say MacGyver, but that's that's not right. <laughs> I don't remember his name. It's gonna kill me. I have to. Uh, Starving me nuts too. Magusti, Magusti. Yes. Magusti, Cam Magusti, right? Cameron Magusti. Yep, that's it. He he was a, he's a stud. I yes. Mean, that guy, that guy was he's a walking bucket. He had twenty plus in that game. Oh, it was the other one, Charlie Moore. That's the other one I was thinking of. He's Charlie really good Charlie too. Charlie Moore. Yes, yes. And they so their guard. I mean, that's what carried them. They, they they had three solid guards that can all get buckets. Um. And it it was crazy to me. So, uh, well, we'll get into we'll get into that when we get to the elite eight. We'll talk about it when we get to the elite eight. <laughs> um. All right, we get to the east now. Yes. Which I mean, North both North these games, both these games were pretty good. Yes. I mean, they, they were, were down the wire. I didn't. I was a as a as a as a Carolina fan. I was a little nervous at the half against UCLA. I was just shaking in my boots a little bit. It was close, then, right? Yeah, it was close. And then Caleb Love absolutely erupted oh, for right. twenty-seven in the second half and just Dude. went nuts. He couldn't miss. Did and... you watch a lot of that one? I did not get to watch a lot of this one, no. Oh. Caleb loves his clutch threes in the down the stretch were unbelievable. It, it was such a March game. Like put him on one shining moment immediately. You're right. It's just he, he the moment for him, it, it, he just excels in it. He just thrives in it. How many it was great? How many shots as a, if you're the coach? You're Hubert Davis. How many shots did he take where you're like, no, 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 yes! <laughs> that, like, and if if you probably ask any Carolina fan, that's Caleb Love all season. Yeah. It's like, don't shoot that, don't shoot that. Oh, oh, went in. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was, it was, the he and he's a, he's a bucket. He's a bucket. Yeah. He's a certified bucket. If he's on, it's, that, and that's a huge thing for them. Like we said, North Carolina needed the guards to step up because their bigs are always going to perform with Baycott, Manic. And again, Davis and um, Love. Caleb Love both just absolutely lit it up. So yeah. I mean, they did a great job. And they are, they are, they got to be one of the best eight seeds in tournament history. I know it's ridiculous. No doubt, I. It's the talent of a top tier seed. It feels like, and, yeah. and then end up an eight because they, just, they they got smacked by teams early in the year. Mm-hmm. They, like they lost by- to Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> they lost. They lost by thirty to Kentucky. Yeah, they lost. They lost by twenty to Miami, Florida. Twenty to Wake Forest. Twenty to Purdue. 20, twenty plus to Duke. Like they got smoked by teams, and then they shortened their rotation. And then the last couple weeks, they played. They were on the bubble. They played themselves in comfortably, and then lost to Virginia Tech right in the ACC tournament. Yes. In a in I mean Virginia Tech. Had a magical yeah, run and yeah. won the ACC tournament, but they they played really well the last couple of weeks. Yep. And then, I mean, it's and it's their offense mainly. They they short their they shorten their rotation, 
And those guys, they score and play well together. They yeah. got the force down low. Brady Mannix, a great shooter, and their guard play is fantastic. And Le- Leaky Black gets forgot about. He's, he's a great defender. That's what he sells at. 90% from the free throw line. Yeah, it's it's great. And I actually, I actually, I didn't see this, but I saw this on Twitter the other day that um, North Carolina's turning point was after they got blown up by Wake Forest by 30. They yeah. kind of started getting it together. They had a players-only meeting, supposedly. <laughs> Classic. And it, and it was just, it was just basically, they all were just, like, defining their roles, saying, like, you're, like, like Brady Manick hadn't really started like playing at like a high level yet with them. Yeah. And they're kind of like Brady Manick, you're a star. You need to be the star, like right. take control. And then ever since then, he's been averaging 15 plus a game, right. like playing like, amazing. Shoot the ball, man. You're, yeah. you are fantastic. And it's like, same with like Caleb, they're like, be Caleb love, go out there, be a star. Like, right. and right. they kind of just clicked at that point. Yeah. So yeah, that game was great coming down, coming. I mean, that one came down to the wire and, Carolina hit some massive shots. Yeah. And, you know, Johnny Juzang and Tiger Campbell, they just yeah. they had a few looks at, at – they just missed some jumpers, and Carolina has great bigs down low. They rebounded well. They made free throws. Mm. That's how you close out a game in March. Yeah. Kudos to UCLA because I hadn't watched much of UCLA up to that point other than when they played Arizona. Yep. But I really remember how fun they were to watch. Yeah, from last year's tournament, I'm like the, Tiger Campbell is super fun to watch. Johnny Juzang, uh, super fun to watch. Uh, Jaime Hawkes, who came yep. back, they're all super fun to watch. They're a fun team to watch. So I don't, I don't, I I don't really ever like to judge guys on their decisions for going pro, not going pro. But it really feels like Johnny Juzang probably lost a lot of money by not going pro last year. Yes, he was. He, I think he was a. I think he was a first round pick and the reason he came back was because they said he probably would he got feedback that he probably wasn't a top 20 pick but i think now he's in the second round yeah 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 i, I would think... agree there he should have gone yeah when your stock's high i mean that yep. was uh anybody remember mitch mcgarry from michigan oh mitch mcgarry <laughs> go i mean like you if you if you're on a team that makes a magical like like makes a big run in march and you're, you're one of the hog. fixtures yeah. on that team. Teams draft solely based on potential. You got to take advantage of that. Yeah. And Juzang, great player. He's still a really good player, but he, I don't think he really got uh, – he didn't get a ton better from last year. Mm-hmm. And he's a year older, and there's there's other prospects out there that are, you know, similar skill sets or better or more athletic or whatever it yeah. is. So – I don't know. He could be a good pro. I think he'd be a good, good. pro. He's a, you can make contested jump shots in the NBA. You can be a good pro. Yeah. And that's that's what his calling card is. Yeah. So he's got potential still, but he definitely lost some stock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other one then, we have uh, Purdue and St. Peter's. And Woo! Peacocks. One more time. Unbelievable. Uh, again, just didn't expect it. Jaden Ivey severely tried to to get Purdue to overtime. And this fell short, but oh. he played pretty terrible the first 35 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and- <laughs> I talked about Michigan's game plan, being upset with their game plan about not going down low and blah, 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 all this stuff. I have to pull up the box score here, but 
Purdue's game plan to me in the first half was absolutely mind-blowing. The fact that they did not just pound the ball inside against this team, I, I did not understand. Seven yeah. shots. Zach Eady took seven shots in this game. Unbelievable. He's seven and, four. I'm sorry. And I'm just I'm just gonna skip ahead to the next game just to d- determine because North Carolina plays St. Peter's and wins, but we'll yeah. c- go more deep. Armando Baycott had twenty two rebounds against them. Yeah. Like, come on, Zach Eady should have been feasting. Like You're not it, looking at you're not looking at the box score. Guess how many rebounds Zach Eady had. Oh no. Yes. Four. Two. What? <laughs> What is your purpose if you're 7-2 and you can't rebound? 17 minutes he played, and he got two rebounds. Oh, my Lord. Shot but but five shot attempts? So you can blame him all you want. Seven shot attempts. But I really I, don't think he got – he didn't get the ball as much as he should. The the This game mainly fell, in my opinion, on the shoulders of Jaden Ivey and their guard play. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Ivey played 36 minutes. He had nine points. And two of those threes came in like the last one. You only had one three. You only had one three and and one. Went in and one. Okay, because I know he hit a deep three that cut it to a one point game late. Right. And then he shot a three that almost went into the buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a he had a play in the first half where it was out on a fast break and he just got a full head of steam and like Euro sidestep, boom, went up and it was like you like my eyes my eyeballs got big. I was like, whoa. Like this dude can take over this game. Like he is, he's way ta- more talented than anybody else on the court. You could see it. Absolutely. It, it, and he never. He's, he's clearly it. more talented than everyone out. Every other player probably in that part of the bracket in the yeah. East region. And like he that. Never like people did. the entire of that. Yeah. And it just never came out. Uh, and he, and it was totally St. Peter's style that game. Oh yeah. It was like, oh, Purdue went up a few points, and I was like, here we go. Maybe they're going to – They were uh, up at the half, and then St. Peter's came out and put the clamps on them right off the bat, right. and they just went to work with them. And- right. Travion Williams Travion Williams balled out for Purdue, and and he had double digits in the second half. He was the only offensive threat for Purdue in the second half. That yeah. was it. And that's why Edie was on the bench. He only played 17 minutes, and Williams, Williams played well in the post, but – St. Peter's hit a few shots, and it was like you could tell there was no pressure on them. No, uh, and they, they just started clicking. Like the momentum started like going, and it was just like Purdue's and Purdue was becoming Purdue before our eyes in the <laughs> beginning of the second half. It was like, oh no, this is it, it's Purdue. Like this is happening. Like, <laughs> what's our guy's name? Uh, Doug. Doug. What? Eater. Doug. Eater. Eater. Yeah. And and he had two plays in a row where he missed a layup and missed a one and one or something like that. And I was like, uh oh. Put a pin in that. He just left they just left four points on the board. And then after that, dude was rock solid. Made every free throw. He got followed on a three. He made all three. Like they just they made all the plays down the stretch. I said it with about six or seven minutes left. I was like, if this game stays close within a one possession game and you get to four or three minutes. The screws are gonna start to tighten. Yep. And Purdue's gonna choke. You know, it, it's gonna. It's gonna. <laughs> it, they, there's way more pressure, more pressure. on Purdue. Yes. And that's a, that's what happened. 
That's literally exactly what happened. All of a sudden, and then that's all. That's all like a team like Sam Peters needs too. It's just that little sliver of hope, and the nerves of Purdue are going to take care of the rest because you can just take it and run with it because you're playing free, like you said. And when you're playing free with nothing to lose, like it's a game changer. <laughs> yep. Yep. You get to watch that one a bunch, or not? Really? Uh, a little bit, not a whole lot, but I just this. It seems to be a common thread with Purdue. Yes. That, you know, they have good seasons under Painter. Um, maybe they get to the second round or the Sweet 16, but then they face a team that they might be higher seeded then. And when the chips on the table, they got to step up and make plays. They just find a way to fold. And I, I don't know what it is about Purdue, um, why they can't seem to break through, finally make that Final Four run. This the stars aligned. They were in a region where the one and the two went down before the Sweet 16. You have a what Ivy's a potential top five, five pick. Yep. Yeah, he's top. You have I the think best he might have slipped player by in the region. Three. One of the best players in the country on your roster. You get a 15 seed. Sorry, St. Peter's, not to knock anything you did, but you're 15. If this if there was going to be any year Purdue makes a run to the Final Four. This was it, and they still just find a way to choke. Yeah, and and per don't they're per don't per, per don't. don't per never will at this rate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you could say that about the entire Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, they're, but they're one that's never made it. Like yes, we've talked. Yeah, all the other teams have made it. They haven't though. Michigan, yeah. Michigan State, Illinois, Ohio State. Like these teams have made runs to the they've title. They, yeah. they haven't, and they've had the talent. So more I'm, frequent than a lot of that, those teams, it seems. You like. kind of asked that last week if it falls down on coaching. I feel like it, March Madness yeah. is March Madness is the epitome of like coaching skill because it's literally a one game thing, and at a and time, you, and you got to take it like that sometimes. And you got to prepare and figure out the matchups to exploit, and figure out how to you know find out the other team's deficiencies and make it happen. And Purdue clearly is, should have dominated that game down low. And their big guy, St. Peter's big guy, uh, Udefu? Is that his name? Yeah. Something, yeah. something Udefu, like that. Udefu. He was yeah. in foul trouble. He, their best, he averages like three blocks a game. He's like the one of the best defenders in the country. He was in foul trouble. He didn't play a ton. Mm-hmm. And and Williams and Edie Edie got a couple of dunks and was like this dude should dunk the ball every single every time, time on the court. They're sh- they they can't handle that size. And they and, and it, I don't know they just it was mind blowing to me and and that's how St. Peter's that's how St. Peter's made their run is they played out of their minds against Kentucky. They scored mm-hmm. eighty five points in an overtime game. That's not their style. They controlled the style against Murray State and they controlled the style against Purdue. They imposed their will and played a slow defensive grinding style made the shots when they needed to, and bam, it's one of the most magical runs that we've ever seen. The most magical run we've ever seen, yeah. I think. <laughs> highest seat. Yeah, highest seed ever. All yeah. right, um, so we'll move on to the Elite Eight. It won't be too uh, – there won't be too much conversation here about the Elite Eight, I don't yeah, think. it's pretty quick. <laughs> um, the last thing I'll say, I don't know if you saw the stat, highest ever Elite Eight uh, cumulative seeds. I mean, yeah, that 15 carries so much. <laughs> I think the highest previous was 40, I want to say, 40 or 42 or something like that. And I think this year there were the, the cumulative seeds were 47. 
Because you had a half, 10, half of that came from North 10, Carolina 15, and, and an eight. 10, 15, and 8. You had all in there. And only one one seed. Yeah. So that was a fun, it was a fun sweet 16. And then I'll preface my, we'll preface the uh, Elite Eight comments with this. I love, March Madness is the best postseason tournament because of all of the chaos, right? And it's so fun. The first two to three rounds, it's like you, so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Then you get to this point and the, then you really see the cream of the crop and the talent normally then plays out. Like the stakes are that much higher and the, the, the best teams usually, not every time, but usually are then moving on to the final four. You sometimes get your double-digit seeds, you know, your sister jeans, your butlers, your those types of teams that – that make it Cinderella's run. But once you get to this point, and that's what happened today and yesterday, the the best teams went out and we're getting some unbelievable matchups next weekend. Yes. Absolutely. It's next weekend's gonna be great. I mean, we can quick touch base on each of the games. There's not much to talk about really in particular on any of the Elite Eight games. So we'll quick touch base real quick, and then we can just jump right to the Final Four because that's yeah. more yeah. exciting. <laughs> um, I think Arkansas and Duke, um, I mean, what what does it say? Like, Duke, I mean, I, Duke just looked better. They, they it, controlled it, the game. Yeah. It, it Like, I don't, like, it just never felt like Arkansas really stood a shot. It just is like, it's Duke. Like, the, the one team, the two or two teams in my mind in that West bracket had a chance to beat Duke and it would have been Gonzaga and Texas tech. That's how I, that's why I felt. It was like, those are the two teams who have enough talent and skill to beat them. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, they controlled that, that game. Mm -hmm. Arkansas didn't play their best, but Duke after that Texas tech game, I feel like they kind of figured it out and they're really hitting on all cylinders. They're they, feeling they, themselves. they really figured it out at the end of the Michigan State game, the last five minutes, and then they needed to figure it out for 40 full minutes against Texas Tech because that's mm-hmm. a solid, solid team. And then Arkansas, they just they were up by double digits most of the second half. Yeah, and just co- they kind of coasted to the yep to the win. Um, one quick note on the total: I had the over 147 and a half. And we finished at 147. So Arkansas is pretty much dead to me. Um, they were the down. Bus, they got the bus a layup. Buses crashed. They got a layup with 50 seconds left. Down nine. Down nine with 50 seconds left. And it would have been a one and one for Duke. And they chose to not foul. Down nine. If you get a miss, you get a miss, and you go down and knock knock down a three, you're down six. This is the end of your season. I, I get it. I get it. The probably the odds are super super low, but didn't uh, Northern Iowa blow blew like a Texas like a, A&M. I was yeah, just about to bring it up. Eleven point lead with like thirty seconds left. Yeah. Yep. Whatever. And, and you choose to not foul with a one. You still a one and one with fifty seconds left. And well, all it takes is one mistake. 
by Duke on like an inbound pass, and then sure. it's in their head. And now all right. of a sudden they're starting yeah. to be frantic with the ball. They don't know what to do. And, then and they just let them run the clock down. They just run them on the clock down, and Duke missed a shot. And then Arkansas comes down and misses a contested three, and then it was game over. I was like, are you kidding me? Duke scored 45 points in the first half, and the over didn't hit. But I digress. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, Villanova Houston made me want to throw. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The whole Gosh. game. It made me want to. Oh. Yeah, was, my eyes were bleeding. Everything was terrible. I mean, it's it. The neither team played well. Callum Gillespie looked terrible. Um, also ripped Justin Moore, who tore his Achilles. That's heartbreaking. I did. It's terrible. It, that late in the game, at that point, and things seemed to be somewhat okay, and and to lose a, a key piece of your team like that going into the final four and sucked. Hope he he heals up well. It's and, a tough and, blow know, for their national hurts. title chances. Yeah, they may, they could still do it. One hundred percent. Jay Wright's a great coach. Con Gillespie is one of the best players in the country. Like they're solid, but they're not deep. Right. I was about to say their mm-hmm. rotation. Of what six, six guys? He was one of ish. six. Yeah. I mean, so now you're looking at the starting fives. Hey. Someone who doesn't get playing time has to step they up got, for Villanova. They got Archie Diakono's brother. They do. All I say all you need to say. So Villanova's winning the title. Look out! Look, look out. out! He's gonna he's gonna do a little bit of a Spike Albrecht make an appearance and go yeah. 18 in the first half, and right. everyone's gonna lose their minds. Right. <laughs> I need our. I need Gus Johnson to. Do, I know Jim Nance is fantastic. He's the best. But I need Gus Johnson in the final four. Be like, Archie Diakono. Oh! <laughs> like just, just a crazy reaction. That's the best. Uh. He, yeah, that game was disgusting. Villanova was in control the whole game. Houston cut it to two in the second half, and it was still just felt like it just never. Two were, felt like ten up. still. Yes. It, it did like yeah. it was there, but it just it was like I don't see them doing anything. It just didn't feel like it was gonna happen. Well, when I, you sit there and go, just imagine if Houston shot twenty percent from three and they would have won. By I mean by a lot. Like <laughs> Yeah. One yeah. And they only like they shot one of twenty? Yeah. I have that That's right. Correct. Like, they made three? it was like it was like uh Houston shot or Houston made more field goals, more like free throw, everything. It was like all the major stats they made more of, except three pointers. Houston was one for th- one for twenty. They, that, that's that's the definition of March. You have yep. one yeah. off shooting night like that. See you later. You're cooked. Going into that game, you're told Villanova's going to score fifty points. You're like, oh, Houston's beating them by twenty. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. So I mean, the, the fact that to, that game is just wild to me because it's two of the most efficient teams in college basketball. And yeah. we talked about this being like, this is metrics heaven over on yeah. the South side. And we get this ugly game, it's a terrible game, no efficiency at all shooting wise, at least. And it yep. was just like, Whoa, yep. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. Kudos to Villanova for winning two games in a row, not playing their, not even close to, not the, best close to the best. So I, I mean I I would expect them to come out and and have a really solid game against Kansas. You don't usually have three in a row where Colin Gillespie is going to be, you know, held in check that much. Yeah, give me Jay Wright with a week to prepare to. I he'll come up with something. Oh yeah, yeah. So Kansas Miami was, I mean at halftime. Close first half. 
Man. I was kind of excited. I was like, Man, oh, Miami got to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then second half uh, was like, what was it? Like 47 to 15 or 37 to 15? Yeah. It was... 47 to 15, right? Yeah. It was it was 35 to 29 at halftime. Absolutely incredible second half by Kansas. They it just, was great. They came out and punched them right in the face. Mm-hmm. And, and Kansas, or uh, Miami had a couple shots where they went back and forth like two or three possessions in a row that and Miami didn't call timeout and then Miami or and then Kansas hit another couple shots in a row and went up like seven and Miami finally called timeout and and you had like the classic moment of like all right are we gonna are we gonna fight back you know are we gonna you know they punched us now we're we gonna punch them and they never punched back they laid on the ground and got punched and punched and punched again. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so that was, that was Kansas. One of Kansas. Best that, that was, that was a clear, I think uh, again, where Providence kept it close the entire game, but my, it was at the end, that second half for Miami was like our talent finally caught up like with like team like Kansas, like Kansas is just the talent was overwhelming in the second half and they just right. punched. Right. No, I agree a hundred percent. Um, Magasti was the other oh. one. Magasti <laughs> played well. Oh yeah, Magusti played well in the first half, but he was the only he was the only offense for Miami, yeah. too. He hit some tough shots. It was they were hanging with him and they, they were winning at halftime. And I was like, I was watching. I was like, are they gonna be able to really keep this up? It didn't feel like it. Mm. Remy Martin and Obaji and uh, McCormick down low and they they just took over. And last one, the biggest snoozer of the day, and I, you hate to say it, but you you, you had to see it coming. It, it was it was gonna happen eventually, and you know if you, I mean, yeah, the, what they did, what Purdue should have did, and they let Armando Baycott destroy them, destroy right. St. Peter's. Like, how many rebounds did he have in the first half? I don't I don't remember the first half total, but I know it he ended like with twenty two. I think it was almost 15. Yeah. It was somewhere around there. He ended he, he ended the game uh, 22 and 22 or 23 and 22. Yeah. A 2020 game. It just it looked like what you expect when you see a mid-major playing a blue blood. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I I mean that was they they went it was 7 to 0, right? To start the 9 game. to 0. 9 to 0. 9 and to it, 0. It, it, it just it just looked and, like Oh, it's over. Right. Immediately. Is, immediately. Yeah. It was like, St. Peter's is not going to play well from behind. Yep. And it never really got close after that. St. Peter's nope. kept it close with all the other teams they had. Yeah. Purdue was up a little bit on them, but they, it never got more than like six. Carolina had them at the jump from the jump. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was, they dominated from start to finish. And St. Peter's. They missed shots. They they didn't play well as well as as they did in the previous games. Like they they played really well the previous three games. Like they were a great. They were re- obviously a great 15 seed. They won three games of the first 15 seed ever to make the Elite Eight. But they they missed they missed some open shots. But it was very apparent. Like they drove in the lane a, lot, a bunch of times and put up shots and like trying to draw fouls and stuff. And Carolina was just better, more athletic. I mean, you you could see it from the very yeah. that was that was today was especially with, with Kansas St. Peter's and Kansas Miami. 
Did I say Kansas, St. Peter's? North Carolina, St. Peter's. There you go. It's Miami. <laughs> I mean, the second half of the Kansas game was boring, and then you went right into the North Carolina game, and then that was boring. The basketball on Saturday and Sunday was not great because it was either an ugly game that was close or kind of a blowout. Yep. I mean, there was there oh. was three blowouts, basically, and one ugly game. All right. Um, let's get I was going to say, for Final Fours, do we just want to each person talk about their predictions, their thoughts on each team quick, and then give their national title game and their national title pick? Sure. Let's, let's go do, through each person. We'll do preview. Let's do previews of each one, and then we'll make picks. Okay. I'm in. So we got to start with Carolina and Duke. Yeah. And, and you're going to pick Carolina, and I'm going to pick Duke. I mean, I think Duke's going to win. I think. Oh, you do? Okay. I, I I I'm going to in my heart I'm going to say UNC when I pick it I'll say UNC but I think in sure. my head logically sure. Duke should win like sure sure I'm so that's it's it's a it's I saw a couple of people on Twitter today saying like this is so bad for college basketball to have all the blue bloods in the final four, blah, blah, blah. Like not wow. having any of the Cinderella, wow. like lower seeds is better for ratings and all this stuff. I'm like, are you serious? Like it is so fun getting everyone hooked into the tournament with the Cinderella's. You, and then you I, watch I could see Duke UNC in the final four being the highest rated tournament game in history. Yes. Seriously. Uh, like, yes. Literally. <laughs> and then Kansas and Nova is two legendary coaches Going against each other, you have four blue blood fantastic teams. I'm gonna give Villanova the new blood. Sure, they're new, new blood. New blood. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Wright's been there long enough and had a great program. Yes, yes. Like, like four fantastic programs all going up against each other. I don't, I don't see how it could be better for college basketball. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, yeah, it's fun to have the underdog there and root. But how many times have we gotten the underdog to that point? And then they get blown out in their right. game. And then they lose. Like, well, exactly. what's the point? Like, if St. Peter, like, you're going to tell St. Peter's finds a way to beat North Carolina. Sure. They get Duke. Are you serious? You want to watch St. Peter's get blown out by 30 against Duke? Like, right. No, thank right. you. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> right. If, if St. Peter's and Duke play each other 50 times, I bet you Duke wins 49 out of 50. Probably fair. Probably, and I'd almost say 50 out of 50, it, especially in this specific circumstance where Duke is hot, they're playing well, they've played four games in a row where they have just, like, played very good basketball. They're playing their best basketball this season. Like, they, they're they going to win almost every time they play. It's not even going to be close. But it is, it is picture-perfect, like... You cannot draw it up better for the end of Coach Hayes' career. You cannot. You can't. I'm, I'm going to say it. I said it off air earlier. Um, people are asking, is it rigged for Coach K's final season? I, I mean, <laughs> it, it might be. But, like, the haters, like, it is so perfect for both Duke and North Carolina fans, like, of those teams. And then the haters of Duke and the lovers, like, everything is lined up perfectly where, where this – Friday night or Saturday, so it'll be Saturday. Saturday. Saturday night game has such a massive impact on on the whole scope of college basketball. Did you? Want, it, is, you it is. It is not. It has no feel of a two seed versus the eight seed. You want to hear uh, Coach K's record against uh, North Carolina since he became the coach in 1980? It's probably 50-50, right? 
It's absolutely absurd. So it will be the hundredth game they have played, actually. And it's fifty and forty-nine. Duke's fifty. UNC's forty-nine. Yeah. yeah. Since you became the coach. And the point differential is probably it's twenty. Like, it's twenty points away. Yeah. It's nuts. I love and, it. And that's oh those, those twenty points are from the blowout early this year that Duke gave North Carolina. Right. Right. It's <laughs> oh, amazing. I, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's just so it's gonna be so awesome. Oh, love it. it. It's it's the epitome of like the great part of college basketball. If, it's just great. If you had to pr- like predict like a, a actually like media perfect Final Four, it might be these four teams. Legitimately. Yeah. Maybe. No, I I don't even think you put Cal. I don't think you put Kentucky in there. I think Carolina is a better story than Kentucky. hundred percent. You get Carolina Duke. I mean, you you, you get Coach Carolina last year. Duke in the final four in Coach K's last year. After after less than a month ago in Coach K's last game, they at Duke they put up ninety. Carolina trounces them. Yeah, like there's just so much riding into this and game. There's the, there's this all this. Year non-handshake stuff in the line that's going on between yeah. the coaches. Like there's heat between them right now this year more than ever. And there's you have, the, oh. you have the you have the Coach K, the Coach K clip that goes viral on Twitter. No, no, be quiet. Be quiet. That was unacceptable. It was unacceptable. <laughs> and now he's like, okay, Coach K, you got your chance to prove it right now. You better beat North Carolina or else North Carolina fans for the rest of time yes. will be able to oh. hold this over your head. That your last loss was to us in the final four. And I got a question, and it, it doesn't have to be a long answer, but if UNC beats Duke, does Coach K say, I'm not retiring, I'm coming back one more year? Didn't you mention that last week? I did. And I yeah. think it's I I don't think I mean, I think it's I think it's basically it's hundred percent basically he's gone right now. If he beats him, I think it drops like 70-30. I think there's 30% of him that kind of sits there and is like, I can't go away on that. I mean, that would be rough. Final four loss to your rival. Big rival. I mean, this is this is the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Maybe sports. And arguably sports. Arguably yeah. sports. Um it's Ugh. fair if that shifts out of the hundred percent retirement. I don't stage. think he does. I think he stays retired, but Especially after the fact that like they he went through the whole like this is my last year and like Shire's taking over and he's an assistant like I don't think that he really could plausibly do it because all these commits coming in are knowingly like they they're, if they're any Shire. coach could do it it'd be Coach K though you're right you're right, you're right. <laughs> that is my only thought on that I just they, it just crept in my mind <laughs> and then. Uh, all right, let's move to, to Kansas and Nova. The Justin Moore injury is, is massive. It is. It's going to be very interesting to see how Nova plays in, in a uh, – off of four, four or five days. What, you get five days to prepare? Monday yeah, through about, Friday? About five days. Monday yeah. through Friday, and he's out. So, I mean, you're going to see Archie Niakano. He's going to be the one that's going to play more. Yeah, he's played a little bit throughout the tournament. He he's he gets sporadic minutes, and he played more in the Big East this year. His mm-hmm. minutes have shortened in the tournament, so he's gonna be the one that gets more minutes. Um, is it Ryan? 
No. Think so? Wait. Well, that, Ryan's older brother. Ryan's the bro- older right? one. Yeah, no, wait. What's uh crap, I can't his name. Huh. Anyway, you we talked earlier, right? Nova made it through the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight playing not their best basketball. Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris. And Chris Sarchuk. they lost one of their key players. You know, he I, takes I mean, I mean, Con Gillespie said in after in the postgame interview, it's like as a huge loss for us. He guards their best player every time out on the court. Like right. it, that, like and you've got to go he'd be, up he'd be going Kansas. he'd be guarding a bodgy. He'd probably you be guarding a bodgy. Yeah. I hope Villanova had two rougher games and they're saving their A plus game for this one because they're gonna need it. Yeah, Kong Gillespie cannot be in single digits for a third straight game. No way. Otherwise they will, will crush if, them if that's Kansas the will blow them out if that's the case. And I, as much as I wanna buy that Villanova can keep that I shouldn't be doubting Villanova. I'm kind of downing Villanova with the with where they're at right now. Yeah. I, I just I don't see how a rotation of five players um, can beat Kansas. Yeah. And I might be wrong on that, but I my title game with where we're at, you're going to see Duke Kansas in the final. Who are you taking? Storyline. Give me Coach K. All right. Hoisting it all. Winning it all. Ben, what do you got? I'm going to give you, uh, uh, we're going to say UNC, and that's true because UNC fan blood. I'm, I'll make okay. a side note that I'm semi-confident Duke's going to win that game. I'm pretty sure okay. about that. Heart overhead. Heart, heart overhead, though, I'm going with. So I'm going to go UNC, and I'm going Nova because I, I led too much with my head in the bracket, I think, at times, and maybe – not enough with my heart, and I'm going to follow the heart here at the end. And Nova UNC with uh, UNC being the highest seed to ever win the tournament tied with Villanova of Correct. 1985. Correct. Um, I will take – I think that game is fascinating, that Kansas-Nova game, because the guard – it's going to be all down to guard play. That's it. Like, yeah, Kansas's bigs and Nova's bigs are solid guys, but they're never the – really the go-to. McCormick gets gets – touches for kansas and he's a solid big guy and same with um dixon dixon for nova but it dixon is and slater or Sl- slater's slater's like a wing. stretch he, he's a, kind of a wing yeah okay yeah. um i got confused with him always but but that's what it comes down to is it's gonna it's really coming out their guards are, it's gonna be who makes shots in that game i think um mm. and i'll go I'll, i'm gonna go with heart too i'm gonna just take heart because i i I like Nova. I like Jay Wright. So I'm picking. I'm gonna pick them just cause, and I'm gonna pick Duke, and I'm gonna pick Duke over Nova, because I think it'd be fantastic. I think whatever matchup we get in the title game is is Saturday's gonna be great. As long I, as I, I don't see fifty to forty four, Villanova Houston oh, again. No way. Please no. There's no way it happens. <laughs> I'll lose my mind. <laughs> I, I I truly think that that this. This boring Elite Eight is setting up for... It's got to be setting up for a great Final Four. It's got to be. It, it really has to. Otherwise, oh. it would be... A, if it's a boring Final Four, then all the haters who wanted the the Cinderella teams in there were right. Like, I want, <laughs> I want Duke to win it all, and I'm a Duke fan. But I don't want to see Duke 
dominate and and have two blowouts. I I really want to see some intense, awesome basketball with four great coaches and four the literally pretty much the four best. I think they're really the four best teams right now. Yeah, I mean they're they're playing the best basketball right now. I'd say. I don't that's, think that's, you, what, like, that's what gets you to the final four. I there's mean, not a single elite eight team outside of that played these guys close enough to say like we can beat one of the other elite eight teams that one of the other final four teams that made it like, right. I don't think Arkansas can say they would have beat anyone. And I don't think Miami, I don't think maybe Houston, maybe Houston, that'd have been it. Houston's about the only one that I feel could argue if they played Right, you know other best. They, they probably ways, like, could compete. I don't know if they'd beat, but they compete. But right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm. Right, you can go other ways. Like you say, like Kentucky. If Kentucky doesn't lose to St. Peter's, yeah, you know, and like Texas Tech, if they beat Duke, you know, you, you can always play the what ifs right. with everything. But could have, would have. These teams, these teams are all. That's what they're four fantastic coaches with four fantastic programs, all blue blood, new blood, like famous programs that have massive stakes on the line. They've all won national championships. Multiple coaches going for this is it's a legacy final four. They've all won national championships within the past fourteen years because Kansas last won in two thousand eight and they were the farthest one away. Mario Chalmers, bang bang. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But what a glorious final I, four. I cannot wait. So we'll ha- we'll have our last episode uh, probably next Tuesday or so. Yep, after the title game, we'll let it we'll digest. We'll digest yeah. So, um, I command everyone listening to like, subscribe, and follow on all social media platforms. And your task this week is to tell three people about the podcast. And about Don't You Know Sports in general. And about Don't You Know Sports. Because if you don't, we're going to blow up and you are going to look like a dummy for not telling people. You're going to be a phony jabroni. Amen to that. <laughs> Michael's going to write a blog about the NFL draft and it's going to get six million views. Be on the lookout for it. It's coming. It's going to be great. This is, just, this is just a sprinkle of what's to come for Don't You Know Sports. But we're yes. just getting started. Just getting we're started. just getting started. Get out on floor, everyone. That's right. That's right. So that is it. That, that's all we got for episode four. It was a beautiful, I'll say a beautiful Thursday and Friday of basketball. Saturday, Sunday, you probably hopefully took a couple naps during the games because they were not as fantastic. But Saturday and Monday are going to be great. And you get to look forward to the best, what, two to three minutes of the year ever when One Shiny Moment comes out. Absolutely. I mean, One Shiny Moment is like what I wanted to walk down to the aisle at my wedding. You the wanted best. to walk down to that? Yes. Not your wife? Not yes. Sadie? <laughs> the best. The best. She nixed that one, huh? Yeah. 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 So, all right. <laughs> That's all we got for this week. Um, God bless. And I cannot wait for Saturday and Sunday. Nope, not Sunday. Saturday. Monday. I'm losing track of days. Saturday and Monday. Boom. That's it. Done. Go Heels. (laughs) Go Duke!